Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Hoping we find you all in good form, John Paul. Taking your calls, 1850-333-103. Texting and WhatsApp, also available at 86 Can I go straight back to yesterday to kick off the programme just to let people know because we had such a huge reaction and outpouring of support for one of our listeners uh, who we gave him the name of Jack uh, for anonymity reasons. Uh, we changed his name, who contacted us, uh, sharing his story with us of coming out of an abusive relationship, a physically abusive relationship with his partner and the how lost he is feeling now. But another problem with the partner leaving uh, Jack was the fact that uh, Jack has problems reading and writing and any letters, any sort of communication that came into the house, the partner had been dealing with and he's now completely at a loss because it isn't something you share with a lot of people that you don't read and write. He is, he uh, he's working and he's managed to get away at work even though he did say every now and again problems arise when some kind of admin work has to come up but he manages to always get out of it or get around it somehow and he basically was looking for a little bit of advice a little bit of help and a little bit of support I think more than anything yesterday and was wondering had any other listeners been in a similar situation particularly I think with regard to the end of the relationship he was really feeling devastated because this relationship had broken down even though I think in time he will come to realise that it was the best thing that ever happened, that that relationship didn't work because he had tried to get his partner to work on the relationship by going for couple counselling, uh, for example, because he knew that the abuse that was going on was wrong and he wanted it to end. She wasn't willing to do that. And then she finally up and left, which I think she's probably done him the best favour of all by upping and leaving, particularly if she wasn't willing to work on her. She was seems to have some kind of anger management uh, issues. So he was looking for a little bit of support around that and wondering had, because his self-esteem has just got to be on the floor. And he wanted, to, you know, he really wanted to hear from anyone else who had been in a similar situation, who could, I suppose, talk him through what happens now? How is he going to get on from here? How does somebody get on from here? And just I think to hear somebody else say, yes, I know what you're going through. Yes, the very same thing happened to me. This is what worked for me. This is what helped me. And look where I am now. I think he just needs to get a little bit of a success story to know that he can get on and, and will be able to get on uh, with his with his life. And obviously the other side of the coin is the literacy uh, issues. And uh, we are encouraging him to hook up with the National Adult Literacy Agency and go get the help that he needs because it is never 
too late. And if that's the one message we can get across to anyone listening today who's in a similar situation to Jack with the reading and writing and having problems with reading and writing, never, ever too late. And I'm I'm really taken aback to hear uh, that Jack in his 30s would have gone through the school system and nobody picked up that Jack had an issue with reading and writing, whether it's a problem, it's a dyslexic problem or, or, or something. But certainly NADA, the National Adult Literacy Agency, they're the experts when it comes to this and they've helped many, many adults, people who went through the school system and just were not able to learn for whatever reason. Nala have had huge, huge success stories and we've spoken with many of those and there are always wonderful interviews to do when you talk to people who suddenly have developed the love of reading. And But many of the people we would speak to would be people who left school at a very young age uh, in a different era when children could drop out of school at 10, 11 and uh, 12. But Jack Bill in his 30s, coming from a different era, but it still goes to show that I suppose schools are can be so busy and teachers can be so busy that they're just not able to, they miss out on the fact that somebody has, is slipping through the system and has difficulty with reading and writing. And then, of course, once you get out of the school system, that's it. If you can manage to get away with never reading and writing again, but you miss out and lose out on so much. So we're helping Jack in that department as well. So just to let you know that Jack is doing a lot better after the all the advice. And he was listening to the radio programme yesterday and he actually was very touched by the advice he was getting from people. He got a bit emotional about it all. Uh, I I suppose just to think that people were willing to pick up the phone, contact us to offer him help or people who sent in texts and WhatsApps just giving him advice. He really was touched by all of that. We passed on the contact numbers uh, amen. Who work with uh, men who have been, uh, are in, or are coming out of abusive relationships. We've also given them contact numbers for the National Adult Literacy Agency, and we've passed on contacts for listeners who contacted us who were in similar situations and who were offering to speak with uh, Jack. And we've also promised that we will keep in contact with him, and we will let listeners know how he's getting on because there was just that wonderful outpouring of love and support yesterday. So just to get that out of the way and to let you know he is doing okay. Now, coming up on the programme today, we're going to hear about the dangers of using a product that I was unaware of. It is a product that you can buy and I'd be interested to find out where they're buying this product that you inject in into yourself to give yourself a better tan. God, talk about an easy way of getting a a tan. How it works, I have no idea. Where you source it, I have no idea. I'm assuming, maybe I'm wrong, I'm assuming you buy it somewhere illegally, is it? And you inject yourself, or or are you going into a tanning studio and there's somebody actually administering the injections? Anyway, we're going to speak with one local GP who is worried about the danger of this particular uh, product and also while we have the doctor on I'll be interested in his views on anabolic anabolic steroids uh, because there was a large haul of nearly 100,000 anabolic steroids that were illegally imported into Ireland and they were seized last year by the Health Products Regulatory Authority and this is to do with I'm slow to just say young guys because it's young girls as well all going for the body beautiful and the bodybuilding uh, look and the easy way even if when I say easy they still have to do a lot of work but they can make it easier to get the big muscular physique that they so desire by taking anabolic uh, steroids so that's where the health Products Regulatory Authority come in they are constantly checking on products that are coming in to the 
contrary to anything that they know are illegal, they see. So 100,000 anabolic steroids were seized last year. But that wasn't all. There were 619,213 doses of all other forms of medicine seized, including sedatives and anti-impedance medicine amongst some of the haul that was discovered. And of course, the big worry, it's the members of the public. The big concern is the members of the public are continuing to put their health at significant risk by buying medicines from unverified, unregulated uh, sources. An analysis of the figures show there's a continuing and worrying trend for consumers in Ireland seeking to buy illegal prescription medicines uh, as well. And it's a real worry because you just don't know what's in the product. It might look like the exact same as a prescription drug you could get here, but you have no way of knowing if the ingredients are anything like the genuine article you would buy here. So we'll discuss that on the programme today. Something we tried to get to yesterday but ran out of time but I promise you we'll get to it today. It's an update on the changes to how old age pensions are calculated and assessed and this is all to do with the changes that were introduced in 2012 and there was a cohort of pensioners which have been rising year on year can I say who discovered when they went to claim their old age pension that they weren't entitled to the full amount, a lesser amount was given and the main reason for it was to do with the fact that people had a break in in their working life. They started work and then they took a break. Either some people were forced to take a break because of the marriage bar. Other people started to have their families and it was an era where mothers stayed at home looking after their children when their children were either done for or at an age where they didn't need mammy at home. Mammy went back to work, started paying stamp, which changed that into the PRSI, paid in all their contributions, then came to retirement age, applied for their old age pension to, to be told, no, you're getting a lesser pension because there's a gap in your working life. And the way the new way they started to calculate how old age pensions were paid out changed in 2012 and it affected um, a lot of uh, pensioners. It was just one of those mean spirited changes. It really was. And it was absolutely done as a cost cutting measure on behalf of the department. And everyone, I think, accepted that it was it was pretty mean spirited. So changes are afoot and changes are being made. And there's now a review underway but the review is taking some time and people really have to bear with us on this because I know yesterday when I mentioned it we had some people saying they filled in all the forms and still have, haven't heard anything don't worry pensioners are now starting to find out how much how much extra money they're getting every every week and I'm going to double check but as far as I know the money is going to be backdated so you don't have to worry if there's a delay with you getting it you will get it eventually I know Anne has been on want you to know how far they're how far back they're going with the homemakers date as she had a family born in nineteen seventy eight and in nineteen eighty one and it was 1994 I'm assuming then when Anne went back to work and is wondering is it uh, too late for her we'll check out some of the uh, dates when we're looking at what exactly is happening and how long can people expect to wait before they hear if they are going to get the increase and lots of people there's very positive reaction on these reviews the majority of people who are getting reviewed are told yes you're entitled to uh, two more money so there's a bit of good news in that European Parliament deciding to change the way we put our clocks forward and back at long, long last. We've been talking about the European Parliament 
discussing the fact should we end summertime and wintertime should we at the end of this month we will be putting the clocks uh, forward and actually yesterday somebody saying is this the last time we'll be doing it I don't think this year is going to be the last time we're going to do it I imagine we're going to be doing it in 2012 it's looking like if everything continues the way it's going it's looking like it'll be 2021 when it will be completely terminated so we're going to just uh, hook up um, with the European Parliament and find out exactly what has been decided what now will happen what does it mean for uh, Ireland but I was reading only on the papers today and this is a call coming from the IFA and they're fearful that Northern Ireland could be in a a different time zone to us in the Republic if every member state decides on the summer to end the summer and the winter hour but if after Brexit Britain decides no we're doing our own thing and the way the British government are reacting to Brexit. It looks like they want to do everything their own way. So you would wonder, would they decide to say that they might decide to go against the rest of Europe and instead stay with daylight saving hours? That would mean that villages on the border could find themselves metres apart but in two different time zones, which would be absolutely bizarre. And the IFA are calling, coming out, calling for a full evaluation of the proposed changes and what would, you know, how difficult would it be for people living along the border to be in two different uh, time zones? It would be crazy uh, indeed. So we'll discuss that on the programme uh, today. And then we are going to hook up with a school in Bandham who were running a campaign to try to get the students to turn off their phones and turn off all technology from 10pm at night. Everybody signing up to this kind of voluntary charter put down, give up your old phones 10 o'clock at night and then don't look at the phones again until you know, 8 o'clock in the morning till you, get, till, till you get out of bed but you're not even allowed to have your phones in the room now I know you'll have some children say oh I need it for my alarm clock so I'm assuming they're buying the old fashioned alarm clocks or maybe Mammy has gone back to getting people up instead of people relying on their mobile phones. So we're going to find out more about this. And it's all to do with sleep patterns and the way people sleep. And they've done surveys already in the school on sleeping and how well or how badly people are sleeping. And they're coming to the conclusion that there's a link between the quality of sleep you get and actually having your phone or a technology device in the room with you. So I'm going to be, I'm really interested and will be really interested at the end of this little campaign, this little survey, a little experiment really that they're doing. I'll be really interested to see the results at the end of it, but we're going to hook up with the school today to see how they are getting on. And it's Wednesday, so Peter Dowdle will uh, join us answering all of your gardening questions. You can get those in throughout the morning. And we had a mishap last week with Peter's phone actually decided just to play up on him and it just wasn't uh, working but fingers crossed he's got a new phone and he'll be back with us and everything will be fine today. So and I mentioned Brexit particularly with regard to could we end up in a situation if we decide to end daylight saving hours and those in the United Kingdom decide they're going to stay with daylight saving hours it means we could have a people living on the border who would be just be metres apart and they would be in two different time zones. One of the downsides uh, something else to add to the list of downsides to Brexit. Uh, Michael says, Patricia, as the 29th of March draws nearer. Michael says, I still believe that Theresa May will get her deal through as it's the only deal, deal that is available. But we also should be very clear that there is no chance that the UK will be able to disentangle itself from the EU even if Brexit goes ahead. There are fantasies of release and liberation but they are 
fantasies. The UK are going to be negotiating on everything from aviation to farming with their biggest neighbours. They cannot live in glorious isolation. Ask the Swiss. Ask the Norwegians. They live in a permanent state of negotiations with the EU. I sometimes wonder if the UK really and truly appreciate and understand what the EU is all about. May Charles de Gaulle rest in peace. But how right he was on his take on the EU entering the EC. Charles de Gaulle was against the United Kingdom entering because he said at the time that they will be the downfall of the at the time it was the EC goodness me how right the man was okay due to a connection of a new water main there is no water in the following areas of Mallow from today between half nine and four and for the next three days so half nine to four today, tomorrow, Thursday and Friday where this new water main is going in. Kennel Hill, Woodview Drive, Annabella Park and the surrounding areas. Cork County Council and Irish Water. Apologise for any convenience caused but everyone will be delighted when the new water main goes in because it'll certainly they'll see an end to any bursts in that area. So Kennel Hill, Woodview Drive, Annabella Park surrounding areas, water outage for the next three uh, days. Do you have any old coins are old notes, are stamps that you believe could be worth some money? If so, let us know about them. Either get the details of the coins or if you could get photographs, if you could WhatsApp in or email in photographs of coins, stamps and notes, please do. Because tomorrow we have a well-known coin and stamp expert by the name of Mike Kelly. Uh, joining us. He is a coin and stamp valuator and he's going to be joining us um, tomorrow on the programme and this is all in advance of the 50 plus expo which is the lifestyle event for people who are about to or have retired and it's on in the City Hall this weekend and the event covers a huge range of needs and interests and concerns for people 50 and over including hobbies and pastimes there's things like cookery demonstrations going on your rights and entitlements holidays and uh, health and then apart from 60 exhibitors there's also a range of workshops and uh, talks Brendan Grace by the way is there giving a bit of a performance there'll be consumer rights uh, chat there's a gardening clinic with our own Peter Dowdle. There's genealogy expert will be there, arts and crafts workshops, but there's also coin and stamp valuations going on with Mike Kelly. And the the 50 plus expo opens in City Hall on Saturday at 10am and 11am on Sunday. The event, by the way, is free of charge. And in advance of that, we will chat with Mike Kelly on the programme uh, tomorrow. And he's willing to offer free valuations to anyone, any coins, any stamps. Go have a route around. Because uh, it's one of those things, you know, maybe a coin that you've been keeping, maybe the one that granny gave you all those years years ago, maybe you still have part of your communion money and it's tucked up safely, an old note or an old stamp. Either get the details, if you can clearly get the details into us, if it's a penny farthing and there's a date on it, that's a clear enough detail. But if it's a stamp, maybe try and get a photograph in or a note, even though with a note, if you can give us the details on the note, so you can text or WhatsApp that. But if you can get the pictures in, it would be fantastic and as I say Mike Kelly our coin and stamp expert will join us tomorrow 1850 333 103 lines open Laura Gelga RC103 Gokshans Gulsula Hanogut Erdemi Ona Kura Storkter The Young Offender Todemi Shavli Indegdit August Hogan Chio Nagar 
is the Antasiana in a clown, August Takar de Harke. Kashi Kerblin Dag in a coney, a mal, August Martian, for she blossed her cake erquid kind. Husik she ashtork lenaskull, Kloshta Dovit, a glockerona biogabidica in Rami. We are he chilskanani yen of Erlina, General Linda, Saklar, young offenders, dear Kusilana de Four, Shivan. Rinishi Rinka Gwelak, Mogiak to August Pell Freshener Rishini Soiga. Fuela her, Tademi Sakugovlin, Savanskal, Imala. Bemidik Sul, Latilla Ashtorta Uhi Amakancha. Le Bluer Gwelga, Ismisha Mali Nigu, O Gwelskalt Mastavish Mala. CKD Asa 3 Kirkig. C103 presents the Clonakilty Park Hotel West Cork Rally in Clonakilty St. Patrick's Weekend. The cream of Irish and British rally stars come head-to-head on the West Cork Roads featuring world rally star Miko Hervenen. Action gets underway with the ceremonial start in Clonakilty Town Centre on Friday night, March 15th. The Clonakilty Park Hotel West Cork Rally. Fun and excitement for all the family. March 15th to 17th with Cork's greatest hits. C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Now, a Cork GP has this week expressed his concern for a number of patients who are injecting themselves with tanning products in the hope of getting the perfect tan. Dr. John Sheehan from the Blackpool Bridge Surgery uh, joins me. Good morning to you, John. Morning, Patricia. Uh, And you're welcome. What is this tanning product that you inject yourself with? This is basically a version of melatonin, Patricia. And melatonin, as, as, as we know, helps your skin um, um, tan naturally. We, we, we produce it naturally. But what this tanning product is, um, is that it's an injection that people are buying on the internet. So they're basically injecting themselves once a week for a number of weeks with the idea that you have more melatonin in your skin and therefore that you can tan uh, more free, easier and go to sunbed treatments more frequently. Oh, so, so it aids the tanning process. Yeah, well, that's yeah. the theory. The problem with it, Patricia, is that it's completely unregulated. The FDA, the Food and Drug Administration in America, the Health Products Regulatory Authority in Ireland and the EU have all come out against this thing that there's no evidence whatsoever about this. It's not, it's not approved. It's just bought on sites on the internet. Is it easily available? It is, unfortunately, uh, if you Google it, and it, it, it's frightening how easy it is available. You buy it online, you pay money. And the problem, the other problem with it, Patricia, is nobody really knows what's in these products. So it could be completely contaminated. There was uh, um, a case in the US last year where a whole batch was contaminated. So they're coming from China, they're coming from different parts of the world. They're not regulated the way normal medicines are. And people are injecting this into themselves. And the other problem with it then is that for for some people, and I've come across some people who've done this, they feel then they can go to sunbed treatments more frequently because they have this uh, injection and therefore they're exposing their skin to further damage and getting sort of excessive um, sunbed treatments. So you have a double whammy of injecting something that you don't really know what it is and where it's coming from and then also exposing your skin to um, ultraviolet light and burning your skin a lot more. So that's why um, they came out with a warning. The FDA came out with a warning and the Health Product Regulatory Authority came out with a warning against these products um, because they're, they're just not good products. And because of the underground nature of the products, is it difficult to get an accurate number on, on the number yeah, of people absolutely. using it? Absolutely. 
um, it, it's very difficult in the sense that uh, people are very reluctant to admit that they were using these products. I've had a number of people who have admitted it, um, but they don't, you know, they feel they're going to be given out, uh, they're going to be lectured to, and they're, they're, they're right, they probably are. Um, so people are very slow to sort of admit that they are using um, these products. But, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's slightly frightening. You can There's YouTube clips about how to use them. There's um, sort of a lot of um, sort of, it's, it's sold along the health lines that these, you know, this is health benefit for you. When in reality, it isn't. And reality, most of us in Ireland are born with fairly pale skin and we don't necessarily tan the best in the world. And injecting stuff into us isn't going to change that. And it sometimes leads to this false sort of belief that by taking a lot of these products that uh, you can use sunbeds a lot more. I mean, there's fabulous, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be the best at tanning products, but there are <laughs> fabulous tanning products that are out there. there are. It's, it's come on so much from the day where everybody was... Those. Yeah, you know, so, you know, I, my, my advice is to use those products. You know, they're there, they work, they're safe and not to be, you know, injecting things that you don't know where it's coming from. Is this more females or are men at it as well? It's, uh, the ones I've come across have been nearly all female. Yeah. And yeah. young, very young, like in their late teens. And that's the, 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 the concerning thing about it. And when you're young, one of the joys of youth is that you don't think you're ever going to get anything and you're not putting yourself at risk. You tend to live in the here and now. And trying to explain that this isn't good for people is sometimes a hard sell. But we have to get that message across that these aren't good products to be using. And interesting that you mentioned sunbeds because it was only last week the Irish Cancer Society sent their secret shopper uh, out. Were you shocked that 50% re- revealed under 18s were able to use sunbeds? I was. I mean, I would have thought, you know, I wouldn't have been surprised if someone had said 20%. But when, when the figures came out at 50%, it really um, underlines the need for a sort of strong regulation. I know um, the environmental health officers um, have the power to go and inspect uh, these premises, but I think we certainly need more of it and we need a proactive um, approach. Irish people have one of the highest rates of skin cancer in the world and we need to do more to sort of protect things. And if you look at issues like smoking or drinking or other sort of societal sort of uh, problems, We've taken a very proactive approach in, in managing some of these things and I think we need to take a bit more of a proactive approach in managing the whole sunbeds and stuff that's bought over the internet as well. And actually the Health the health Products Regulatory Authority, they're out with their figures on the number of items that they detained uh, last year. Uh, anabolic steroids, again, well up there on the, the list. This again is in the quest for Body Beautiful. Are you seeing a problem with the use of anabolic steroids? We, we are, unfortunately, and, and, and um, in contrast to say with the in, um, the melatonin injections, um, who, who groups predominantly seems to be female. The anabolic steroids seem to be predominantly male. Um, there can be a very sort of strong gym culture, and again, it has this body beautiful sort of image. Um, so people feel that these products are harmless and. It is absolutely, if it's scary, Googling tanning products, Googling anabolic steroids, the amount and the availability that come up on the internet is is very frightening. And people are injecting these things without realizing there are serious consequences such as, you know, liver problems, testicular atrophy, mood swings. And, you know, we've encountered a number of patients who unfortunately had um, severe side effects from some of these anabolic steroids. 
Like we should be celebrating the gym culture that we have these young people who are not and not all necessarily young, but who are striving to get you know fit and and healthy. And you've while well, you've got that going on, this is the sort of the dark and the seedy side of it is you've got some people pumping themselves with these steroids. You do, and it has to do you know with our perception of image and things like that. And we need to sort of you know it's great if you are going to the gym, it's great if people are exercising. We want a lot more people to do it, but you don't need all these products, and you don't need to be pumping your stuff with all this sort mm. of stuff um, to you know improve your body. It's it's doing the the opposite, in fact. Okay, and just before we let you go, Joan, one of our listeners was on when she heard you were going to join us on the programme to say, I saw, I keep seeing a detox foot patch advertised in the newspapers. You leave them on your feet overnight and they're supposed to be good for you. I'd be really interested in the doctor's view on these. I have to be honest, I haven't heard of them. Okay. Um, I would have to be slightly sceptical. The skin on your feet is very, very strong membrane. Um, if you could take all things that weren't healthy in your body out to a patch overnight, I think we probably all will be using it. <laughs> That's a good answer. All right, John, listen, we Thanks. leave you there. Thank you for Thanks, that. Patricia. Thanks uh, for joining us. That is uh, Dr. John Sheehan, who is from the Blackpool Bridge Surgery. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103103. And thank you to some people who are already sending some photographs in of coins and stamps that they have for our expert who's going to be joining us on the programme tomorrow. He's a coin and stamp, um, he does coin and stamp valuations. It would be great, wouldn't it, if we discovered somebody who has a very valuable coin or stamp at home. Wouldn't that be terrific news? Even though, in the middle of all of that, somebody sent in a text saying, Hi, Patricia. I have an old bag full of old money. It's the old one pound notes. Well, I don't know if they're actually worth anything themselves individually, but I do know that you can go to the bank with that money and you can get it exchanged because we were one of the few countries I don't know if we were the only country, but certainly one of the few countries that when the euro was introduced, there was no end date put on when people could hand in the old money and get it turned, changed into the new money. So there is a whack of money sitting in the central bank waiting for people to surface like your good self when you find that bag and the old pound coin, the old pound notes are in it. So you can certainly get that changed into euro. But in the meantime, I will ask our expert tomorrow, is that the best way for you to get the best bang for your buck? Or are those individual £1 notes, the older £1 notes, are they worth anything? Because I don't know if they are, but I certainly have heard of people who discovered I remember last year there was somebody clearing out a house belonging to their grandparents. They were having a sale of a house and they were clearing it out and they contacted us because when they went, hard to believe, but it was still happening. But when they went to clear out an old wardrobe, wasn't there an old tin, biscuit tin? Remember the old USA? And it was in a USA biscuit tin. And there was, I think there was a couple of thousand pounds, old pounds, in old money, it wasn't necessarily all one pound notes that had been put away. Obviously granny and granddad over the years were doing their bit of saving and didn't trust the banks. They were a generation of people who didn't trust the banks and some people would say, God Patricia, with what happened since, wasn't they right not to trust the banks? But anyway, but they found this 
USA tin a sorted tin of uh, and it wasn't biscuits it was money and they wanted to know what to do with it so we put them in contact with the bank they went to the central bank and because it was a big enough I don't know if you have to go to the central bank at this stage if local banks if anyone can let us know has anybody gone in in the last couple of years into a local bank on you know on the main street to try to exchange old money uh, my memory tells me that you have to do it all through the central bank I think you have to send it off or turn up in person I don't know what the, the, the ins and outs of it are but anyway hold on to your pounds until tomorrow I'll ask the expert what he suggests that you do and then if it, they're not individually worth anything in that you can sell them on for collectors if that's not the case then I'd say what we will be advising you to do is bring them in to get them into the central bank and get some euro for it but my main message to you it isn't too late to change them into euro as they say we were one of the few countries that went with that I don't know whether they'll change their minds on that uh, or not and then a text in from a listener and this is a kind of reaction to when I mentioned Jack and the great response that we had to Jack yesterday and how nice and sweet uh, people were offering advice for Jack. Uh, somebody who signs themselves a great programme loyal listener. <laughs> Thank you for that. Says, morning, Trisha. I'm just wondering, how did the mother with the seven-month-old baby get on, the little baby who wasn't able to sleep? Did she manage to get the baby to sleep at night? And I'm really interested, did she try any of the suggestions that came in from uh, your listeners uh, thanking you? Um, and thank you for reminding me because I'd forgotten about that particular mum. So if that mum is listening to us, I'd love to know how the little seven-month-old baby got on. Because a number of people, it was funny, have been erring on the side of putting noise into the room. There was the great suggestion that came in from somebody who was in the very same situation and said by turning a radio on, leaving a radio on, in the baby's room where the baby is and let the baby go off to sleep and one mother was able to say that her son as a baby was very bad to go off to sleep she tried that and to this day he's now a young adult I think he's going to college and to this day he has to sleep with the radio on he got into the habit and and that's isn't that what sleep is all about we get into a habit and a pattern of sleeping and if it's to do with having noise on in a radio be it music with me it's talk I have to have talk just some kind of talk radio on in the background and that helps me not off to sleep I certainly can't go to sleep if there's music on but again that's just an individual thing uh, with me so anyway we'll call it out if that mum is listening can you let us know how you're getting on because it was a text message and I don't have a copy of the text message in front of me so I don't have a number that I can put a call through but maybe if she's listening she will be able to get back on and tell us did she manage to get the baby to sleep because you could sense and feel her pain and her frustration and there is absolutely nothing worse than not being able to get a good night's sleep and it was around the time that she contacted us that that report came out showing how mothers it was mothers even though dads can lose a good night's sleep as well but it was showing the amount of sleep mothers lose up to I think it's the age of six and then kind of children settle down a little bit after that even though there will be some parents will say some children are just bad sleepers full stop and then you roll on a few years where you have the teenagers and you'll hear parents shouting and screaming because they can't get the teenager out of the bed and the teenager is spending all the time in the bed on the weekend and there's, just, there's no way at all of, get, of getting them out 1850 333 um, and, and an email in to give a quick mention to 
that the Strictly Come Dancing in Bantry, the semi-final is taking place next Saturday night. Tickets are on sale at the West Lodge Hotel and proceeds are going to St. Finbar, Finbar's Boys National School. That's Strictly Come Dancing semi-final this Saturday night. Uh, you can get your tickets at the West Lodge. Good luck to all of the dancers. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And thank you for people who are sending us in details of old money and coins and uh, stamps because tomorrow on the programme we will have an expert who uh, does valuations on coins and uh, stamps and uh, we'll try and get as many valuations in as we can. And then that led uh, to some people contacting us to say that they have old money and wondering what can be done with old uh, money. Well, one listener then says, our charity co-action in West Cork actually collects the old money and we take it and we and you're right Patricia we do have to take it to the central bank we would love to receive it if anybody is discovering old money and they would like to donate it to us co-action in West Cork that's from uh, Reg Chambers in Dumamwe and sure if you don't ask Reg you, you, you never know what's going to happen so well done and if anybody would like to donate old money if you have any of it lying around somebody else says you get one euro and 27 cent for every old pound that you have and yes you have to hand it into the central bank and then they lodge the money into your bank account. 1850 Now, as of the last week in February, the first reviews for pensioners who receive less than the maximum old age pension due to changes in the 2012 budget have been adjusted with most receiving an increase. With the latest on the story, I'm joined by Fianna Cale, a Senator Colin Burke. Good morning to you, Colin. Good morning, uh, and you. And my apologies for um, delaying you earlier. I was dealing with a, a motion in the Senate on uh, local radio stations and the need for the broadcasting levy to be a fairer and better system. So um, I had the minister into the Shannon dealing with that much. And how did you get on? Well, basically, the minister has confirmed that the government intend uh, to allocate funding to BAI, uh, Broadcast State Authority of Ireland, from TV licence receipts. And the current proposal is that this would provide up to a maximum of 50% of the annual cost of the BAI levy, uh, in turn reducing the levy burden on on local radio station broadcasters by up to 50%. RTE aren't going to be happy with that? Well, that's another day's work. That's not for me to deal with. That's for the minute. Because the thing is, with TV licence evasion, if they got a handle on the amount of people that don't pay the TV licence, if everybody paid, there would yep. be a bigger pot of money to divvy out. Absolutely, but I think it's an important issue for local radio stations because I think they provide a very valuable service. They provide information out there. They allow people to air their views. Sometimes I mightn't agree with them. Sometimes you mightn't agree with them. But it is, you know, the freedom of speech. And I think broadcasters, local radio stations are providing a very valuable service. And I think they need um, that support out there. And I think it's important that they're not levied to such an extent that it becomes unviable for them to survive in a very commercial uh, world out there now, you know. Yeah, and very. Very, very competitive. Okay, we've invited you on because we uh, we certainly since 2012, since these changes were introduced, we've heard from a lot of our listeners who have been affected by this. Just remind listeners what happened in 2012 and the changes that were introduced. What happened in 2012 was that um, say you started work at the age of 16. Um, if you started work at the age of 16, um, you would then um, and say you worked maybe only 20 weeks a year or you worked some of the years and then you took time out, then the problem was that you would have um, 
the problem you would have is that you're averaged out over the 40 years, um, which meant that you wouldn't get your full pension because it would be taking the average of your credits over the 40 years. So they were calculating from the first day you started work to the yep. la- to the day you finished work. Yes. And, and that chunk in between where you didn't work it was, averaged was out then. factored in, so, yeah. And, and basically where the big disadvantage was, say you say you had someone who started work at the age of 55 for the first time, or, you know, someone came in from abroad, started work at the age of 55, and had 10 years full contribution, so they had 520 contributions, they would be entitled to the uh, full pension, yeah. whereas the person who might have worked 40 years and would have been uh, worked maybe 20 years and then took time out to rear her family or look after elderly relatives, they would be averaged out. So it was a very unfair system from that point of view. So what we're now doing is that anyone who has 520 credits, then um, they're entitled to take into account the um, the uh, home care uh, credits as well. So if you've, for up to 20 years, so if you have someone, say, had a family um, and they were out of work for 20 years, then that's taken into account. But as long as you have 520 uh, stamps paid, you're in and you will get your pension reviewed. Now, there's about 90,000. Initially, they were talking about about 50,000. I believe the review now is taking about 90,000. Because it's um, grown every year. That's what's happened yeah. with this. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So there's 90,000. No, but we're only starting from the 1st of September 2012 because that's when the, the people who were in receipt of pensions from the 1st of September 2012 are people who will be getting pensions um who will be getting pensions, um, uh, you know, who say from um, now on. But it's the pension that's allocated, the new pension that's allocated is backdated to the is backdated to the March 2018. So in other words, while you might be only be getting it now, the new increase, the increase will be backdated to, uh, to I think, the 30th of March 2018. Okay. And I think that's that's extremely important. And of course, most people only <coughs> found out when they went to apply for the state pension. Isn't that the case? Oh, absolutely. And I mean, the, the, the issue was the... Um, the issue is the... Um, the averaging was a very unfair system. Um, the averaging is a very unfair system, um, and I think it's important that we now correct that and that we allocate um, the appropriate pension to people, in particular, who have made a huge contribution on one end <coughs> to their employer, to the employment they were involved in, but also in rearing families or looking after uh, elderly relatives, and I think that's extremely important as well. So it's kicking into place. The first of the payments have been made out. Um, it will continue out over the next two to three months. Um, and 90,000 is a lot of people to reassess. Now, in some cases, they may have looked for further information um, from people because not all of the information was there. And um, they they may have written back to people looking for further information. So once that additional information is provided, then the yeah, we had some we had some listeners yesterday contact us to <coughs> say that the department have been on and they had to fill in a form and and get it back and and yep. just wondering how long more it was going to take. It's yep. just that the, it's the volume of the reviews 
it's time consuming and it each is. each individual of the 90,000 pensioners have to be reviewed individually so it yes. is people have to be patient it is, yeah. it is going no. to take time but you'll no, get, you'll get the money backdated yeah but backdated to March um, 2018 2018 uh, to the 3rd of March 2018 now we have taken on an additional 120 staff uh, they were taken on um, back in 2018 um, to deal with this volume of uh, reviews and the other issue as well <coughs> In the review, someone may actually uh, get a lesser pension, but that won't apply because if their calculation is redone, I, I'm not clear how that could arise, but if it does, you can hold on to your existing pension. In other words, so no one will lose. No one will lose. No one will lose. There is going to be no reduction for anyone. But on this, the majority, the it looks like, are gaining because the majority yes. of the reviews so far have been positive. Yeah, and it's, uh, you, you can imagine, like, averaging out over 40 years, especially if you had someone who was, um, you know, had, you know, went out working at the age of 14. Mm. <laughs> their their payments are now averaged over between 14 and 66. Yeah. It's and they took 20 years, they took 20 years out of that career. Of it was just it was such a, very, a mean spirited thing. And then, then a, a person comes along and they come in and they start work at 55 and suddenly they were entitled to a full pension. Yeah. Whereas the person who was working for over 50 years wouldn't have been entitled to a full pension. So this had to be dealt with. Um, <clears throat> it's not being dealt with. The As I said, it's the people who qualified for pension after 1st September 2012 are the first group to be reviewed and then all the rest of them will be reviewed after after that. I think the okay. whole lot will be completed by 2020. And I think it's a really welcome development and I suppose it's a big challenge that we now have in relation <coughs> to pensions in that, you know, we have around 637,000 people over 66 in this country. Um, it's rising by 20,000 every year. Um, by 2030, it will be a million people. So that in itself will um, bring new challenges. And we have to plan for that as well. And I think it's extremely important that we do that, that we provide the support and the care for people who have made huge contributions to this country and to their own families and to their own local communities. And I think that's extremely important. But don't we have a bigger problem going forward with an ageing population? We're not going to have enough people out of work to pay for all the pensions. Well, no. Well, in fairness, we well, if you do, looked at the ratio, um, going back, as say, about four years ago, um, you would say that by 2030, uh, if you wanted the same ratio of people working as the same people that were uh, in receipt of pensions, we would want 2.7 million people working by 2030. Yeah. Now, we have increased employment quite a bit. We're at the highest level ever. We're at 2.28 million, and it is growing. Um, now, the, the growth in, in, in employment will probably level out, but we're doing about 50,000 new jobs a year, um, and hopefully that will continue. Um, we have huge advantages in that, um, you know, we're going to be the only English-speaking country in the European Union now. We have uh, huge advantages in the sense that we have done very well in relation to the whole pharmaceuticals area, bio, um, you know, in relation to medical devices, in relation to technology. And so we're we're continuing to grow uh, people involved in that area. We have challenges in other areas, but I think one other area that we're growing very well in is the whole service area. For instance, you take services provided by Irish companies the income from those is now providing it's, it makes up 11% of the GT, uh, GDP um, in, in the economy. 
So services, it's not just about producing products, it's also about producing services. And with computerization and everything else, you can be based in Ireland and provide a service in a whole lot of other countries. And that's what what um, we've been very lucky to develop and we need to continue to grow okay. that area as well. All right, some questions in on pensions. Uh, listener says, Patricia, for those of us who <coughs> did stay at home to raise uh, our children have been affected by this, is the reform we have to look for or do the department contact us automatically? The, the department are automatically going through each and every pension you don't need um, to contact them. Um, now, if you feel that for some reason in, in the next... Um, I think most people would have got letters at this stage, mm. um, but if people haven't got letters and they feel they should be part of the review, then they should discuss it with their uh, social welfare office um, or, or certainly um, maybe get... Uh, information from citizens' information. They might be able to give them information as well on it. But the department are saying that they're identifying all the people um, who are currently receipt of pensions, who have received reduced pensions because of the averaging outlaws. And that's how they're coming to their figures um, as regards who they should look at and who, sh- who they shouldn't look at. Okay, and I, I, but I think some people as well are just worried about going forward because this is going to benefit the pensioners of the future. People who oh, are going to get a pension in the next couple of years, I think that's, uh, that's got a lot to do with it. Um, Anne yeah. says, how far does the homemakers date back to? I had my family born in 78 and 81, went back to work in 94. So that's less than 20 years. This, this, it doesn't make a difference. It doesn't have to be 20 years. It's just a period of time yeah. can be taken into account even if it's only five it's, years. It's, it's up to years. 20 years. It's up to 20 years. Yeah. Okay. okay. And the other thing is that for some reason the department have picked it's everyone born I think after the um, 1st of September 1946 is being reviewed I'm not sure why that's the rule Yeah um, I saw that, that date because I know one yeah. of our listeners got cut out by a couple of weeks on that yeah, I, can, I, I can't find an explanation as to why that date I, was I picked either Because I had, I had a constituent into me uh, and they were born in August yeah. of 1946 and yeah. they're not in under the review and I don't know why the reason for that is okay. I've act- I must actually check that with the Minister but that's all Do and get back to us because we certainly yep. had a listener with, with a similar issue yep. OK yep. we'll leave okay. it there Colin and thank <laughs> you for that and we appreciate you uh, taking time out uh, to talk to us that is uh, Fianna Gael uh, Senator Colin Burke 1850 John Paul taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs Bar Express in Mallow looking for a full-time shop, a supervisor, shift work and flexibility in working times is required. Oak Lodge Nursing Home, Churchtown South in Cloyne. They've got vacancies for kitchen assistants and healthcare assistants. While a person is required for power washing, you must have painting experience and a taxi hackney driver needed for a school run approximately two mornings and two evenings. You'll find all the uh, details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Many people have a love-hate relationship with the clocks going forward or backwards to mark the start of summer and winter time with members of the European Parliament discussing for a number of years now whether to end the practice that has been in place for over 100 years. With the latest on this issue, I'm joined by MEP for the South, Sean Kelly. Good morning to you, Sean. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, Great to be with you and your listeners again. Well, you're welcome to the programme. So what is the decision that has been taken by the European Parliament's Transport and Tourism Committee. Yeah, Patricia, as you know, I've been working on this for six or seven years trying to get movement on it. 
I was the only Irish person with about six or seven from across the European Union who started this out about seven years ago and we were trying to get the Commission to act. We eventually got something through Parliament last March to make them act. Then they put forward the proposal and now we have uh, a proposal going through Parliament and this was voted on during the week at committee level. That now will go to Parliament itself, probably in March or April. Then we will sit down with the Council and the Commission and that will be the final decision. And at the, as of now, we hope, if we get agreement, to have clock change ending at the very latest by 2021. We wanted 2020, but I suppose, you know, the way things work so slowly here and you have to consult all the member states, at least if we get a decision and a commitment to end it by then, I would be very happy. Do you believe the majority of Europeans are in favour of abolishing the seasonal clock changes? I think they are. And uh, in the public consultation carried out by the Commission last uh, summer, there was a response of 4.6 million people and over 80% of them wanted it to end. Now, I can see the point that when you do public consultation, to do something, those who are in favour of doing it are probably those who might respond more. But the vote at committee level was interesting. It was 23 to 11. That's about 2 to 1. Maybe that's... Uh, between the two of them, you probably get a fair reflection mm. that mm. the majority would like it to end because of all the reasons that have been outlined, especially by medical research, etc., that it has outlived its usefulness. Yeah, do you believe, is that the biggest benefit of ending the clock change, the the medical side of it, that people's spirits seem to be lifted, people are in better form? Yeah, that's part of it, but also the convenience of not having to change the clock and wondering for the week or two afterwards, is it two o'clock or is it three o'clock? And obviously then the knock-on effect on business and on airlines and so forth having to change as well. And uh, particularly when you are travelling outside the European Union, especially for airlines. Those coming in would have to adjust accordingly. So all those things. But definitely uh, health is a big issue because it has been shown quite clearly that the health of people is affected, especially those with sleep difficulty, depression, autism, those even prone to heart attacks. There was an increase of 25% in the week or two after the change. That's medical science has shown that. But even from the point of view of animals killed in motorways, even cows milking, the change of the hours affect them for some time afterwards. So all those things, I think, are beginning to uh, help people to uh, make up their minds that uh, maybe it's time to... Uh, to end it. And there's, 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 there's road safety benefits as well. Massive road safety build, uh, benefits, you're quite right, Patricia, because research shows that, again, when the clock changed, there was a big increase in the number of road accidents, particularly in America where they did this research, but also elsewhere, because, again, it is probably partly related maybe to sleep patterns, etc. People wouldn't be as alert and so forth. And it, the body clock is likes things to go along as normal. We're kind of creatures of habit. Anything that changes the habit throws us out a small bit. It throws out some people more than others, but definitely it all leads to negative effects for some time after the clock change. 
Now, I know one of the criticisms um, when pe- that people put forward for leaving it remain in place, they talk about, in the, particularly for the winter time, is children walking to school and there will be dark when children are walk- walking to school. Even though I have to say, very few children walk to school today. But anyway, for the few that do, would you have concerns around that? It's a point that's been made. Uh, you're quite right. You'd like to see how many people are walking to school now as opposed to 20 or 30 or 50 years ago. Very different. And- very different and also if that was a major issue you could always talk about putting back the time of school by half an hour or whatever if that was a good point so that could be overcome in a practical way but I, I you're quite right you'd like to see the figures and actual the reality of it but the benefit of having that extra hour of light in the evening is particularly important I think for older people people living alone because you know yourself, once you put the clock back at the end of October, winter almost comes in overnight mm. and the nights seem twice as long as they would have been feeling before that. And if you're living on your own, um, elderly people living on their own dredge those long dark evenings. And actually just on the children, with people saying, oh, you'll be sending your children to school in the dark. But the, the flip of that is they'd be coming home in the evening when it would still be bright. They'd have the extra hour later on in the day when they're home and maybe get them out to kick a football pick up the hurl you know what I mean yeah, go to training and that's that hour of activity out in the fresh air is of most benefit to them and even I found that coming uh, in my previous encounters as a chairman of a district board waiting for the clock to change before you could start matches yeah. in most places so all these factors I think are now beginning to come into the mix and people are having their say and hopefully that will be reflected in our legislation. Now each member state now has to make its own decision by is it April of next year as to what each member state wants to do? That's, that's correct Patricia because every member state can actually do its own thing but most of them didn't want to do anything because they wanted the European Union to act and because the European Commission wouldn't act even countries who had decided that they wanted the in-clock change, like Finland, I think, and Poland, they waited. So now they have to look at it. And the real question for them is that whether it's going to be winter time or summertime. Most countries seem to favour summertime. There may be those who prefer winter time, but the lag in terms of... Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., implementing the legislation is to allow particularly neighbouring countries to sit down and look at the situation 
and indeed at the European level they're going to set up a network of people looking at how things would be affected across border so that if one country is thinking of winter time, its neighbour is thinking of summer time, they could discuss it and come to an agreement on which one is best in the overall context. Well, you've mentioned neighbouring countries. I hate to bring up the issue of Brexit on this one. But what will happen with the United Kingdom? What if they decide to do their, their own thing? I mean, I was reading in the papers earlier this morning that the IFA president, uh, Joe Healy, is very worried about this, making the point that we can't have... Uh, uh, on our own island, we can't have border villages just metres apart, living in two different time zones. Yes, and I think, being realistic, that's never going to happen. Number one, because of the public responses from the United Kingdom and from Ireland, they were almost the same, around 80% in favour of ending top change and in favour of summertime. So I think that would probably reflect itself. Also, we hope to have this introduced before the United Kingdom fully leaves the European Union in the sense that there will be, hopefully, if they do exit, there will be a transition period and they will have plenty of time then to look at what's happening and fall into line. But you're quite right, it would be absolutely ridiculous, impossible to have a different time in Newry or Dundalk or Clones or Belfast or wherever. So, surely to goodness, there's enough cop on common sense around to ensure that's not going to happen. Yeah, and as you say, it, it is something that the people of the United Kingdom want. Uh, they're, they're feeling very much, I think, the same way about it as the, as the people of Ireland uh, are. Just on uh, Brexit, what, what do you think is going to happen on the 29th? Will anything happen on the 29th? Will there be an extension? Yeah, from speaking to my British colleagues here, and I would be friendly with quite a few of them, their thinking right now, Patricia, is that the withdrawal agreement will be posted on the 12th of March. They think that she, Theresa May, may get a majority, that if she doesn't, it will be much closer than the last time. Then after that, then she'll put a vote the following day, I think, on whether they want to crash out or not. They will, she, they feel, reject that. And that then gives leeway for Theresa May probably to look for an extension if they not, do not pass the withdrawal agreement to allow a little bit more discussion a little bit more time for people to look at the consequences. So the feeling is that a crash out won't happen, and that's the worst possible scenario for all of us. That's what we want to avoid. So it would like either a withdrawal agreement or possibly a second referendum, even though my colleagues here from the United Kingdom tell me they don't think that will happen as of now. But you never know, but that's the, that's the position. It is better than it was two months ago, when everybody feared a crash out, I don't think that's going to happen now. And I think there'll be a desire to ensure that won't happen. But we have European elections in May. Will the British go to the poll and vote for MEPs? Not if the extension is as far as the 30 to June. Technically, it's a very good question. Technically, if they're still involved in July, haven't left and the new European Parliament sits in July, they should have elections. But I can't see that happening from a practical point of view. That have to be some way of saying, listen, they're not going to be staying forever. Let the MEPs who are there continue for a period of time, even in the caretaker capacity or whatever. But it's a very good question. It has occupied people's minds, but that's the position right now. So they feel that if there is a desire to extend Article 50, 
that the 30th of June would be the limit of it so that you wouldn't interfere with the with the, with the new par- and actually talking of uh, the new parliament I saw at the weekend you were uh, congratulations to you on your selection for, for the uh, for the elections in, in May Fine Gael in the south you're opting to run three candidates yourself Deirdre Clune and the the, the, the Wicklow TD yeah. and Andrew Doyle Realistically, is there a chance of winning the three seats? There is an extra seat, of course, in Ireland South because of Brexit. I think it's a bit far-fetched. If uh, we could hold the two we had, because remember before last election, we had only one. And then Deirdre and I were elected. If we could hold those two, I think we'd be doing very well. Uh, the other constituencies, especially Midlands Northwest, we lost the seat there the last time. Jim Higgins was outgoing and he lost his seat. Uh, we have a new candidate there, Murray Walsh, former Rosa Tralee. So I think if we could gain a seat there, it's probably more realistic than trying to say that you could win three in the South. But is it a good strategy to run the three candidates? People feel it is. I'm not 100% convinced myself. I think that they have done a lot of work. We're well known, but they feel that because I suppose the two extra counties came into the constituency and they're from Leinster, they needed uh, to show, I suppose, commitment to Leinster by putting in a third candidate. But uh, I would have thought that we had shown that commitment already, but that's tactics. And you just yeah, and there, there is that. always the danger it dilutes the vote if you put in the extra candidate, isn't that? That is true. That's the theory. That's that's the, but then it can work the other way with transfers. That extra candidate uh, can help push somebody over the line as well. Only time will tell. We'll talk Only about it. We'll talk about it again, uh, Sean. In the meantime, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. Uh, good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is MEP for the South, uh, Sean Kelly. And actually, somebody's making a point when we were talking about the health benefits that Sean was talking about with the clocks. Uh, James uh, was saying that he would much rather brighter mornings and was wondering, had Sean ever heard of a seasonal affective disorder, SAD, uh, maybe it would help with that. It's, that's, it's that particular disorder, seasonal affective disorder, is one of the main health reasons that they put forward, that the medical profession put forward for getting rid of daylight saving hours. They say that in countries where this has been tried and tested with the extra hour of daylight in the evening as opposed to the morning. I know you're saying, James, you prefer the brighter mornings, but for the majority of people who suffer with seasonal affective disorder it's having the extra hour later on in the day that's really important and yes, the clock changes and not changing the clocks does help with seasonal affective uh, disorder. Thank you for your call. This is the Court Today replay on C103. For C103 photos and more, follow us on Instagram at C103Cork. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 103. Now the Student Council at St. Brogan's College in Bandon along with their Parents Association are running an awareness campaign on the harmful effects of mobile phone and technology use at night. To discuss the Brogan's Sleeps campaign, I'm joined by one of the teachers at the school, Colm O'Sullivan. Good morning to you, Colm. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well. You're welcome to the programme. Now, you started this campaign last Monday and it runs until next Monday. Just outline what you're asking students to do. Um, well, I suppose the campaign itself asks students um, at 10 o'clock at night. Um, it, it, again, you said it's running from Monday the 4th of March to the 11th, uh, inclusive. So we're asking them to carry this out at the weekend as well. Um, and we're just asking them to put away technology at, at night time after 10 p.m. So that includes um, mobile phones, um, television, laptops, um, game consoles, 
Uh, basic screen time. Even the PlayStation? Even the PlayStation, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, you're asking the students, are you also, are the students asking the entire family to get involved? Yes, so um, I suppose when we, when we went about, we were thinking about how would we, how would we uh, approach this. Um, we said it would be best if that everybody in, in the house took part. Now, that mightn't always be possible. Just some people work late or they might need their phone or something at night for, for different things. But um, we, we, we said it probably worked best for the students if everybody took part. Um, and we've asked teachers as well to take part and, and partners and stuff okay. inside in the household. <laughs> so so as everyone. Many as possible, and know. for all, all classes? Um, for all classes, yeah, all your groups. Um, so we have we have over um, over 500 students inside in the school, and then if you take into account others inside in the the household and stuff, potentially, it, you know, it's it's multiples of that. Um, and was it easy to get everybody to sign up to it? No, see, I suppose when people are taking part, it's kind of of their own their own choice and their own goodwill. So we we, we haven't forced anybody to take part. Um, okay. And and we've actually seen that uh, funnily enough when when we when we um when we gave out the survey first, I suppose there was a lot of questions surrounding what 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 is happening here and and why are we doing this, and then when we when we came up with the broken sleep campaign afterwards, um, it, there was a, a few students. Uh, do you know how am I how am I possibly meant to do this? And some of them thought, look, I I, I won't be able, and um, it's it, it, they just thought it was very unfeasible to think that they could actually put away devices, all devices, at night time. And they actually can. It is quite easy to mm. do. Uh, now I know straight away somebody's going to come up with the argument. Oh, I use my mobile phone as an alarm clock. Yeah, so, um, well, I suppose when we gave out we gave out um, an information sheet to parents, and we we sent out um. A, gr- a group text as well. Uh, w- when we when we checked, like uh, that was part of our survey. When we checked, we l- we looked at what um, what percentage of students were using their um, phones for an alarm, um, and we actually found that it was it was quite low in the junior cycle students, only about thirty percent. Um, it was a bit higher, I suppose, in senior cycle because a bit you know some of your senior cycle students they're sixteen, seventeen, eighteen years of age, so they're a bit more um, independence that way. But again, it was only around fifty percent. Was that all? all yeah. right. So it's it's mammy or. So our daddy, but mainly yeah. mammy is getting it's, the kids out of the bed. Okay, but yeah, but 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 the whole idea is get an alarm clock. Get for an the, alarm clock, the, or yeah. designate one person in the household, um, not the student, um, to be the the the, um, the wake up call. Okay, and when you looked at the survey before you decided to put this in place, you obviously asked students about their mobile phone and technology use. Were many using them after ten o'clock? They were. Yeah, they were. Um, like this, this kind of came out of, I suppose, um, just discourse with students and and teachers. Um, bit of anecdotal evidence and stuff like that. We we also looked into kind of research that was going on elsewhere. Um, but it was a lot of it was just out of conversation. So we were asking them to know. It'd be, I suppose, just um, you might just have been in between classes students lining up and you'd notice they're talking about some about a game or something like that um, and, and a lot of them are they're, they're using them um, and if it's not phones it's some other form of technology and you believe it's having an effect on sleep yeah definitely um, I suppose like we, we don't really have any statistics yet on that um, but we found just from our students coming into the class especially early in the morning uh, we have um, we've got a tutorial in the morning for the first kind of 10 minutes of the school day um, and each teacher will have the designated uh, class group um, and I've, I've got third years um, and I have noticed kind of as time has gone on um, I have them since first year that 
they're a bit sleepier in the morning and they're they're a bit less chirpy. Now that that does by the time they get into the second and third class that has kind of passed. But for a lot of them, you know, you you'd ask the question. The, our tutorial is about making sure they're set up for the day, and we ask them everything okay and how are they getting on. And if you them regularly, what you'll get is I'm tired. Um, and then if you go into a bit deeper, you'll find oh look, I was I was up until two o'clock last night. Yeah, because I got into the middle of a game and I wanted to see it out to the end. Exactly, yeah, or yeah. with Netflix or with something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so the 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 only way you can analyse this now, you're 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 going to have to get feedback either from the parents or the students will be giving you feedback or well, a bit of both. We we set up um um. We set up an email address that parents can give feedback and it'll all be considered or confidential. So we were looking for daily feedback. Um, we haven't got much yet, but we would be, a lot of parents were kind of encouraged, even um, summative at the end, that they would, that they would just say how, how it went, how they felt it went in their household, what they might change about it, and, and things they might have noticed along the way. Um, the other feedback then is that we hope to carry out another uh, questionnaire at the end or another survey questionnaire um, to see have they noticed improvements. And and we were thinking as we were discussing, I suppose when we give out the first questionnaire, we were focusing on mobile phone usage, and what we found is that surprisingly, the students mightn't they were they were staying up late, but they mightn't necessarily been on their phone. So that's why we were wondering, you know, what else what else are they doing? Are they reading? Are they are they watching TV? Uh, whatever it might be. So we were thinking we were thinking about it, and we're going doing it now. Is we're going to get a bit of a focus group, a small focus group with with a number of students from each year group, and and just to kind of delve into it a bit more. Um, what exactly they are doing at night time because we, we found that phone usage was um, was higher amongst our senior cycle students um, a lot higher it, it, it wasn't really a problem in first year and you could see it gradually progress as you went up in years and is there you're a mixed school we're a mixed school yeah is, 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 oh, was there any difference between the boys and the girls I, I instantly thought the girls are probably on their phones more than the boys but maybe yeah. I'm wrong well it, you know, that's, I suppose that's a bit of an oversight on us. We didn't actually ask the students to indicate whether they're male or female. Okay. And it was only something afterwards we thought about when we were putting together the, the results. Um, but just just from talking to from, from, to the to the students, boys, the, the few that I have spoken to about it since, the boys tend to be on PlayStation um, and not as much the phone after, say, 10 o'clock at night. Um so that would be kind... But again, we don't really have any evidence to back that up. OK. It's just what we'll we know. Be, uh, we'll... You'll have to come back on when you get the results. I'd be really interested to see what was the feedback from the the students, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And what I think is a really, what I really like about this, it's great that this initiative is coming from the students' council. Yes. Um, so the, it was it was born out of conversation with students and teachers. Um, so when we went about, I, I'm I'm part of the, the the student council here, one of the support teachers. So we we first broached the idea with the student council. Um, to see what they thought about it, did they think it was a good idea and was it feasible? Uh, and they were behind it straight away. So then they were involved then with the the, the organisation and distribution of the survey. And we also said we wanted support from the Parents Association. We have an excellent Parents Association in the school. Hello. So they, we got their backing straight away. It's terrific. It's terrific. So, and yeah. that's the only way it'll work if everybody's singing off the oh, one uh, hymn sheet. Hymn sheet exactly. uh, let us know when you get the results back in from the survey uh, column. And how, are you having any problems surrendering your phone at 10 o'clock? <laughs> I'm doing a lot more reading. Um, are you? Well done. Yeah, well the done. first night was interesting, but um, it was, it's just 
breakfast habit more than anything. It is, know. it is, yeah. it is. All right, listen, thanks for that. We'll talk again, Colm. Thank you very much. Take care. That is Colm O'Sullivan, one of the teachers at St. Brogan's College in Bandon with the Brogan's Sleeps campaign. I think that's a terrific idea. Well done on all involved. And we'll update you when the results come in just to see are the students and the parents and the teachers and everybody else, are they all sleeping better because they're cutting the technology at 10 o'clock at night? You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. As we've been mentioning all this week, Hall & Oates are playing live at the Marquee on Monday the 8th of July and Aiken Promotions have kindly given us the first of the tickets to give away because tickets officially don't go on sale until tomorrow morning from ticketmaster.ie at 9am. And in advance of that, we have another pair of tickets to give away on the programme now. We're looking for caller five who can tell us the Christian names of Hall and Oates. The Christian names of Hall and Oates. Caller five to get through to John Paul 1850-333-103 will win a pair of tickets and we'll be heading along live at the marquee on Monday the 8th of July. So the Christian names please. If you are a fan this is an easy easy question for you. Uh, get dialing. Uh, John Paul taking the course 1850-333-103 and thanks to Aiken Promotions with a reminder if you want to buy tickets tomorrow morning log on from 9am to Ticketmaster for your chance to purchase some tickets. Thank you to people who are sending us in details of coins and stamps. We are going to have a valuer on the programme tomorrow. This is in advance of the valuer going along to the Cork 50s Plus Expo, which is returning to the City Hall for its 10th anniversary year, would you believe, this year. It's on Saturday from 10am and Sunday from 11am. And part of, there's a lot of workshops, there's a genealogy workshop going on. Our own Peter Dowdell actually is going to be there giving a gardening uh, clinic. And then there also will be our expert ask that's if people want to bring along their coins and stamps actually bring them in person but tomorrow we're going to get a teaser of what it's like so we're asking people who can't maybe attend the expo and they have a coin or a stamp at home or a note that they think may be of a value get the details into us and we'll put it to the expert tomorrow uh, we've already had Frank has been on to us he's got old pennies one from 1937 you'd assume that's worth something other is 1964 he also has an old English three penny piece a threepenny bit isn't that what it was called from 1945 and yes our expert can value English coins as well because I know there was a WhatsApp in asking about uh, English coins so he can so we'll ask about Frank's coins Mary could be sitting on a little gem she has what John Paul has typed it up as see John Paul wouldn't have understood the old money a quarter penny an old farthing um, from 1941 in very good condition says our Mary you'd be assuming that that's worth a few bob might be worth absolutely nothing but we're going to find out uh, tomorrow for sure now also we had some whatsapps in by the way and I know I just sent a quick whatsapp back uh, to somebody to people who are sending in whatsapps on and we're asking people to get pictures in I've now realised and the pictures are great but I've now realised it would actually be better Along with the pictures, if you can get pictures in, if you can text in the dates and the value on the coins, some of the coins, it's just hard to see exactly what year it is when you're looking at it on a screen. So if you give us the value of the coin, say it's a a one shilling and it's from 1939, whatever it is, if you just put the, the date 
and the value. It'll make it easier as well when I'm calling it out to the expert uh, tomorrow. So please keep those uh, coming. And I saw somebody, did somebody else send in some photographs of stamps as well? Yeah, I, I don't know if there's a lot we can do with the stamps tomorrow, but we'll do our very best. Again, if there's a particular stamp, give us the detail uh, of it, the worth, the year, that kind of thing. Uh, and then I'll be able to share that information with our expert and see if we can find out and see if anyone is sitting on it would be lovely wouldn't it it'd be fantastic if somebody was sitting on an absolute uh, fortune <laughs> and a text just in say Patricia I have a penny dated from 1890 wouldn't you be getting very excited about that and then she adds onto the text but I can't remember what I did with it oh dear God okay start rooting around in the drawers usually the drawer in the kitchen or a drawer in a bedroom is where you'll come across something like that but I'll ask about an old penny from 1890 and see if we can find out if that's worth anything so keep those coming and as I say we will be doing it tomorrow on the programme there's, there's a couple of notes coming in that are of interest as well a Drumahan listener for example has a £5 note dated back from 1940 and it's in good condition and then there's a, uh, there's a £1 note from 1966 the listener says probably only worth face value but we live in hope and indeed we do and Joan says I've got some old notes the details I'm sending you one is a £5 note from 1993 and then I four £1 notes dated 84, 89, 89 and 80. Are they of any value? We will know tomorrow. Keep those coming. 1850 I can also see gardening questions coming in for Peter so thank you for the gardening uh, questions. Peter will be joining us later on this hour and we have our winner. We do. Our winner for the Hall and Oats so you can stop calling us on that because we need to clear the phone lines for our gardening questions. Question I asked Hall and Oates playing live at the Marquee Monday the 8th of July. Can you tell us their Christian names please? It is of course Daryl Hall and John Oates and Yvonne Hayes of Orchard House Nazareth in Coachford is our winner Yvonne Hayes of Coachford congratulations to you Yvonne you you now know what you're doing on Monday the 8th of July you're going to the marquee where you'll be seeing Hall and Oates live in concert enjoy once again tickets on sale from tomorrow morning at 9am ticketmaster.ie we have another pair of tickets to give away tomorrow and we will give our final pair away on Friday 1850 Just looking at a couple of other issues coming in. We were speaking about daylight saving hours earlier and it is looking like it's what the majority of Europeans want is to end the changing of the clocks. A tradition that came in in a very different time when they needed to have brighter mornings. But now, of course, I mean, one of the big ones was the agricultural industry for milking of cows, etc. They wanted to get any work done. They needed the brighter mornings. But of course, there's a milking parlour now that doesn't have a lot of have electricity and a lot of lights. So a lot of the reasons for, for putting the clocks forward and back, are, they're gone. It's, it's, it's an old, antiquated reason that we're doing it. So it does look like it'll be gone. But it'll be another couple of years yet. I mean, people were, we, we all had great hopes it was going to end this year, the ninth in March of 
the end of this month, March of 2019, we'll put the clocks forward. And there was a hope at one stage a couple of years ago that this would be the last. But it's looking now another two years. I'm, I'm thinking from any research I've done on it, it's going to take that long. It's just to get agreement between all the, all the different uh, countries and anything really that comes from Europe. It just grinds very slowly. But I suppose it's because so many countries are involved in it. Martin says... This is to do with the Irish Farmers Association have raised the issue that if we stop daylight saving hours and the United Kingdom decide to know they're going to do their own thing, which when I put that to Sean Kelly, he doesn't think it would happen. But if that did, suppose, suppose, suppose it did happen and they decided with Brexit that they were going to do their own thing and weren't going to, they were, were going to continue with the daylight saving hours. And we in Ireland went with the rest of Europe and said, no to hell, we're not going to do it anymore. We have the two different time zones then. I mean, the Irish Farmers Organisation are pointing out how difficult it would be for the border counties and for people living along the border. But Martin has come up with a further problem if the United Kingdom were on a different time zone to us. How would it affect the likes of Sky TV? There are, the majority of us watch our television through Sky. Would it not cause huge hassle if we were in a different time zone to the United Kingdom? At the end of the day, Sky comes from the United Kingdom. You just have to get used to it. I mean, a programme that's on at eight o'clock in the United Kingdom might be on at nine o'clock in Ireland or pending on the time of the year, might be on at seven o'clock in Ireland if they went with a different time zone but that would be the least of our worries I think the very very least of uh, our worries Okay on we were also talking earlier with Dr John Sheehan uh, who really I was I had never come across this before a product that you can buy very easy and I did a quick Google search yeah and up it, up it popped I was, would be able to get it at the credit card and click a few buttons and I would be able to buy the product myself a product that you inject into yourself and the idea is you're injecting melatonin you don't know where the melatonin is coming from or what else what other additive is in this injection you inject it into your tummy and then you you they say you'll get a better time and the idea is that you can stay longer on a sunbed which even in itself is such a dangerous thing to do and the idea that you'd be staying longer because you've injected something into your body that you're not really too sure of what it is and seemingly it is becoming quite popular. And then we had a listener saying that they were aware of it since 2009 because they were doing a needle exchange programme and teenage girls in the Mallow area were coming in saying that they bought this product and wanted to change the needles. Just horrific, horrific stuff. And then that also led to a discussion with Dr Sheehan about anabolic steroids that young boys but also young girls, young men and women, men more than women though, are doing it in order to achieve the kind of the Love Island body beautiful body. Uh, And they're dealing with that. Doctors are dealing with that as well. Maura says, question for you please. Is it possible people are getting more stupid? The doctor must be, and other doctors, must be fairly fed up treating people with cancer. And now we have people injecting stuff that could ultimately go on to increase their chance of getting cancer. The people who do this should be taken in to the likes of Marymount Hospice and let them see what it is like for somebody who perhaps did everything right in looking after themselves, what it is like to be at end stage with cancer. This might help them to wake up. As for the steroids, I'm very bad with arthritis and I don't have a choice. I have to take steroids. Now, can I paint an image for you, please? They look like a toy. My own grandson has a small head and a big ugly body. 
says uh, Maura. And are you on thinking or do you know or are you assuming that he's doing steroids? God. God, yeah, it is shocking. But they go for this. They think they look great when they look in the mirror. They go for this body beautiful. But you are right. What what problems will they have into the future? And it must be so frustrating for doctors because particularly with the tanning one and, and I imagine with the steroids as well, trying to get the person to admit they're doing it because it's a little bit like when someone goes to the doctor, are you a smoker? And you're all embarrassed going, yeah, how many do you smoke? And doctors know people will say 10, which means they smoke 20. We'll all lie about things like that because you're kind of embarrassed. You know it's bad for you. So it's going to be the very same if you go into a doctor's practice and the doctor's looking at somebody thinking, are you injecting stuff for tans? I guarantee you very, very few will say, yeah, doctor, I inject once a week or whatever. And the same with the steroids. They're not going to admit that they're actually doing it. And that in itself then causes problems because the doctor can't be sure what's going on when somebody presents and somebody, you know, is is sick and the doctor isn't too sure. Is it because of something stupid that they have put into themselves? 1850-333-103. Looking for your thoughts, by the way, on Lent and are you giving up anything for Lent? I mentioned this earlier and I saw a really good piece by Roisin Burke writing in today's Echo. She went out and about to ask the good people of Cork what are they giving up or are they giving up anything for Lent? And, you know, she talks about the, the tradition during Lent was the Christians committed to fasting and giving up uh, luxuries and they would do it for the 40 days of uh, Lent. But is it a tradition that's dying out? Are people still doing it? Is it something that only religious people do? Or do other people do it just more for a challenge? And she went around asking a number of uh, people and Sinead in Cove for example says that she always has great intentions and I think that's the start to Lent we all have the great intentions so Sinead has decided she's going to give up coffee she gets a takeaway coffee every day on the way to work but she's going to switch to green tea she's not doing it for religious reasons she's doing it more to see can she test herself she said I also I'm going to save money because takeaway coffees every morning can add up so yeah so she'd have a little jar now and put all the money into it and see if you can save it that's always a great tip if there's anybody listening today who are packing up the cigarettes. It is a great day for people packing up the cigarettes. Put the money into a jar, put it away every day. You will be astounded at the money at the end of the 40 days that you will have saved. Uh, Megan in Farnree says she hasn't done Lent since she was a child. She thinks it's outdated. She said, my mum does it. She gives up sweets every year. She said, I used to do it when I was small. So I think when I was in school, there was more of an emphasis on it. But I do think it's a good idea to push and challenge yourself. And if I was reminded more, maybe I would do it. Well, there's your reminder, Megan. Give up something for Lent. Bernadette in Blarney says, I give up something every year for religious reasons uh, and because it's a challenge. She said the whole family usually do it. She said, I'm not a big chocolate fan and I don't smoke or drink, but this year I'm giving up swearing. In the past, she said, I've taken up a health challenge or I've read more. Last year, for example, I tried to be nicer to people, but that was very hard to judge at the end of the 40 days. Was I actually nicer to people? And Hannah in Ballyfahan says, I don't usually do it. Years ago, she said, I always did. But my mom and my nan do it and I followed suit. I used to give up sweets. I think it's better to take up something instead. This year, I'll be trying to take up 
more time for me. I think it's good to try to improve yourself though and give something uh, up. Lent also seems to make people more aware of charity which is a good idea and that's true. I mean the choker boxes are something we all very much associate with Lent and I think we do put a focus, we do have a tendency to put a focus on charity which isn't a a bad thing. And Rebecca in Castletown Bear speaking to Roisin from The Echo, says, no, I don't do Lent. I'm not religious. I never did it. Go on, Rebecca. My great-grandmother does. She's 83 and she gives up sweets every year as an inspiration. I think it's a good idea in that it makes you appreciate things a little bit more. She said, I would like to try it sometime. If I was to do it, she said, I think I would try and give up my phone. I'm addicted to it. And I think that's, there is a good one. And kind of tying it in with what we were talking about with what Brogan's College in Bandon is doing. If you're still there soul searching and you'd like to do something for Lent and you don't necessarily want to give up any of the traditional things like the cigarettes or you don't smoke or you know, like one of, the, one of the ladies there doesn't drink, doesn't smoke and doesn't eat sweets. So there's nothing really you can give up in, in that one. That might be a good one for Lent. Take a look at your your digital footprint. Take a look at how much time you spend on technology, even a small one, to do like what they're doing in Brogan's College. No technology after 10 o'clock, no smartphones, no TVs on, nothing on in the bedroom. Maybe give that a try and it would be inter- It would be very interesting then we'll be able to compare how you get on with what we hear from St. Brogan's. Will you actually be sleeping better because of screen time. If you cut down on screen time, will you actually sleep better? And Anita in Carrigaline said, with all the talk of plastic in recent months, I've decided I'm going to try and give up plastic for Lent and cut out plastic for the duration of Lent. It's going to be hard with shopping, but I really am going to try and do my best. That's a good one, Anita. Please let us know how you get on with that. But it will be hard. It will be hard because it's hard sometimes to avoid it. You know, you have your best intentions. I know a while ago I started buying loose bananas. I was always buying bananas, you know, that came in a bag. And I one day decided, why am I buying a plastic bag of bananas? You know, they come, you know, maybe six or seven, just buy the bananas loose. And that's one thing that you can do. But sometimes then when you go to pick up something, there isn't an alternative. You have to buy the one in the plastic bag. Uh, Fran is on the line. Good afternoon, Fran. Hi, Patricia. How are you? I'm very good. Now, you've got a very good suggestion for Lent. Yeah, I I saw this and I thought it was a great idea. For the next 40 days, instead of giving up something, go to your wardrobe or your press and take out something that you haven't worn or that you don't eat and put them in the relative bags. And at the end of the 40 days, you'll have a couple of nice bags to give to charity or whatever, homeless or, or um, you know, what a one, benefit. What yeah. a wonderful idea. And at yeah, the same time, you'll be clearing some of the, we're, we're all talking about we've too many clothes, even if you just yeah. do it with your clothes, we all have too many clothes in our wardrobe. Can yes. we all come up with 40 items to donate to charity? Yeah, but even even uh, um, you could do other soft furnishing stuff like yeah. towels or pillowcases or duvet covers or whatever that you haven't used or you no longer use that would still be of use. Even even those those things are useful to vets 
and farmers and yeah. so on for animals, even if they're not good enough for human. Um, bric-a-brac. There's bri- yeah. All the charity shops take bric-a-brac as well. Jewellery. Okay, yeah. do you know something? It's a great suggestion. I'm going to take up your challenge, Fran, <laughs> and I will go home today and I will place something in a bag and I will have it all ready. And at the end of the 40 days, I will yeah. I will I think, heave I my bags off. Idea. That's a great idea. Well done, Fran. Thank you for sharing that Thank one with you. us. Happy Bye. Lent. Thanks for Bye. joining us. 1850-333-103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Copying Agro... Archaeological, Historical and Cultural Society are presenting the Widdy Island Tanker Disaster. It's a new illustrated lecture by Paddy O'Sullivan on the 40th anniversary of the disaster and it is on tonight in Copine at half past eight. Admission is five euro uh, for non-members which does include refreshments. Monthly Mass in honour of St. Pio, St. Joseph's Church, Lismar. That's on uh, today. All are welcome. Blood Donor Clinic, Mallow Race Course uh, today and tomorrow, three to five this afternoon and seven to nine tonight. There's a good one to take up for Lent. Donate blood. Anam Cara, the organisation that supports bereaved parents, they've got their monthly meeting in the Clayton Hotel in Silver Springs in Cork, 20 past seven tonight. And the Thomas Kent Pipe Band in Fomoy, they're celebrating their sixth anniversary this year and they're inviting past members of the band to march behind their specially made banner at the Fomoy Parade. If you're interested, you can contact Noreen Duty 86 232-8989 and the National Council for the Blind looking for reliable volunteer staff for their new shop in Bantry duties to include cash register customer service donation processing rail and shelf stacking clothes steaming and tagging and you can contact Lynn 087 348-4997 and volunteering at a charity shop there's another good suggestion that you could do for Lent this year C103 presents the Clonakilty Park Hotel West Cork Rally in Clonakilty St. Patrick's Weekend the cream of Irish and British rally stars come head-to-head on the West Cork Roads featuring world rally star Miko Hervinen. Action gets underway with the ceremonial start in Clonakilty Town Centre on Friday night, March 15th. The Clonakilty Park Hotel West Cork Rally. Fun and excitement for all the family. March 15th to 17th with Cork's greatest hits, C103. Gee, I'm getting excited looking at some of the photographs of coins. Get the details in as well as this listener has done. Thank you for that. Somebody says, and it's an 1896 and a 1916 penny. Oh, you'd assume that they're worth something, wouldn't you? Am I rich? Says the texter. I don't know. We'll find out tomorrow, that's for sure. And somebody else says, my cousin has a stamp album that my great-grandmother started collecting in the late 1800s. What's the best way to get this valued? Also has a huge postcard collection going back to the early 1900s. Any tips for these, um, says Nula. Nula, I would suggest certainly the stamp collection, the stamp uh, album. I would suggest your cousin going up to the 50s plus expo in the city. I'm sure our expert would be really interested in taking a look at that. I'll make an audio question and I'll ask him tomorrow. But I would be suggesting for your cousin to get up to the city. It's on the City Hall, Saturday from 10am and Sunday from 11am. Find our coin and stamp valuer and show him the book. I'd say he could be quite excited by that. I'll ask about it tomorrow though. So hang in there. Ask questions for Peter. Keep those coming. Now on Brexit, before I get to this comment, there was another one. Sandy says, as far as I'm aware, uh, British 
indicated a few years ago that they would have the same time zone as the EU. It's in their interest. In my opinion, some organisations and individuals are driving others daft with spurless, non-existing Brexit-related problems that may never arise. Time difference will be dealt with if it does arise. Pro-Brexiteers may be acting like spoiled brats, being told to have a bath, but hop in when the risk being left behind. Vocal Brexiteers uh, will do the same. And that's coming in from uh, Sandy. But here's a great one that's coming out from the Bank of England. A Bank of England official has revealed that Brexit has wiped £80 billion from Britain's economic growth since the 2016 referendum. The Bank of England official said it amounted to €800 million pounds lost every single week. Now that's more than twice as much as the Vote Leave campaign claimed would be saved by quitting the EU. Mark Rush, the Dutch Premier and one of Britain's closest EU allies, says the UK would be weaker after Brexit and too small to appear on the world stage on its own. That's very dark, dark days ahead, isn't there, with uh, Brexit. And thank you, Maura. Maura was the person who contacted us earlier who was feeling sorry for doctors and feeling sorry for people who are fighting against cancer and fighting to rid their bodies of cancer and then we've got people being so stupid as to inject stuff into their bodies to give them a better tan or inject themselves with uh, steroids and she put at the end that particularly the guys with the steroids who end up with a small head and a big body and she was saying that it was like her grandson like a toy and then I, I just misread what she said she said it's like a toy her grandson has do you know he's got a little toy, almost like an action man toy, I imagine, with the small head and the big beefy body. So Maura just wants to rectify her. her grandson who's only six is no way taking steroids. And let's hope that he never does. Thanks for that, Maura. Somebody else says on uh, Lent, I think there should be no dancing during Lent, as there used to be once upon a time. Would you like to go back to that time of absolutely no dancing during Lent? And hi, Patricia, on the clock changes. I think they should not be any change in the clocks. Leave them as they are. I way prefer the brighter mornings, better for everyone. Yeah, there's a love-hate relationship with the class going forward and back. I did say that at the time. Okay, let me take a break and we will be back chatting with Peter Dowdle answering your gardening questions. 1850-333-103 text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. A balanced world is a better world. That's why Friday, March 8th on C103, we're getting behind International Women's Day 2019 with Kildare Village. Hashtag balance for better. Join us as we celebrate some of the most empowering women on the international music scene from Queen Bay to Tay Tay. We'll also have some special guests in studio. Make sure to follow our social channels to learn about Irish women you don't know who are changing the country. And we'll also be hitting the streets to find out a little bit more about the women in your lives. Friday, March 8th, celebrating International Women's Day 2019. Hashtag Balance for Better with Kildare Village on C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Can I just give a reminder to you that there is a water outage in parts of Mallow. Now, it's going on for three days. It started today, Wednesday, and it runs through Thursday and Friday. And it's the Kennel Hill, Woodview Drive, Annabella Park and the surrounding areas. And Cork County Council and Irish Water apologise for any inconvenience caused, but it's due to the connection of a new water main in that area. So long term your water supply will be much better but you'll have to put up a bit of water outage from half nine in the morning until four 
on the three days today, tomorrow and on Thursday. Peter Dowdell uh, joins me. Good afternoon to you, Peter. Good afternoon, Trish. How are you? And actually, we mentioned your name earlier, not just in regard to you joining us today, but also with regard to your taking part in the Cork 50 Plus Expo, which is on the City Hall this weekend. That's right. And I heard you talking about coins there just before I came on. And you are at Stamps and you were advising somebody to go up there. You, well, you have several experts there, but you have Mike Kelly in particular who will be there. And what he doesn't know about coins and stamps and collectibles isn't worth knowing. So, yeah, it's certainly worth getting up there and having a chat with him. Yeah, actually, it's Mike Kelly who's joining us tomorrow just to give us oh, the flavour. We've people yeah. already sending in. Some people could be sitting on a fortune. We'll know this time tomorrow. OK, yeah. uh, lots of questions coming in. Let me go straight to some that came in by a text. A band to your listener. Question for Peter, please. I have a very large lawn. Oops, it's not of grass, though. It's of moss. Any advice? But it's a large lawn. A moss lawn can be nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, I'm being tongue in cheek, but um, moss is a, obviously comes up on this program because it doesn't it nearly nearly every week moss on the lawn. But it's it's a constant problem, and it's because of our climate. Primarily, we have a warm, warm, damp climate, and moss loves those conditions. So there's a lot you can do, or there's a lot you need to do rather to get on top of it. The first step, and it should really be part of you know your annual maintenance routine if you want to keep the lawn moss free, and that's to scarify it. And this is the month to do it now. March is probably the best month to do it. You can do it in March or you can do it in September. But the, the real advantage of doing it in March is that the lawn will recover quicker during the, the summer months than if you do it in September, facing into the winter. What scarifying is really, <coughs> excuse me, what scarifying is, is just, it's giving it like a mechanical rake, <coughs> excuse me, where you're pulling out uh, moss and thatch from around the base of the plant, the, the, each, each little grass plant. Patches when the the the, the grass—it's kind of a build-up of plant material down at the soil surface. When the grass, if you like, runs horizontally along the ground instead of vertically up towards the sky, that happens from walking on it and from the wheels of the lawnmower. And when the, when you have patch, and every lawn develops patch naturally, so when you have patch around the soil surface, that again leads to poor air circulation and warm, damp conditions. Again, ideal for moss. So by removing that patch uh, with scarifying it in March every year. You're, you're creating conditions which are less good for moss growth and much better for good grass growth. And just after scarifying it, that's when you apply the lawn gold. Now, why the lawn gold as opposed to the sulfate of iron type treatments is it's a back-to-basics thing. By, by, by uh, maintaining the optimum pH, soil pH, for good grass growth, which is slightly alkaline, you're creating a pH that moss can't grow in. So it's common sense. Uh, sulfate of iron, which is the traditional one of the traditional remedies for removing moss from the lawn will kill moss, but it'll also have a, in the longer term, it'll have the, the, the opposite effect of what we want because it makes the soil more acidic, which is exactly the conditions that moss wants again. So use your lawn gold after scarifying that creates slightly alkaline conditions, perfect for good grass growth, uh, and moss can't tolerate it. And then you will have to persist with it, I'm afraid, through the year. You'll you use the lawn gold about three times during the year and scarify it again in Mar- each March. It sounds like an awful lot of work. Mm. It is a bit of work, but it will work. It will, yeah, and it will yeah, it's, it's, it's the one way to do it. Now, a couple of people, same question. Is it too late to cut back roses and or prune roses? No, short answer. No, it's not too late. And if you haven't done it, even if it was a bit too late, uh, better late than never. You're, you're much better to prune the roses, feed them, um, roses are hungry feeders so they are going to do much better this year if, if you feed them and prune them if you don't prune them they'll still flower away and they'll still grow away but those flowers will be weaker than if you prune them so prune them prune them back quite hard now and feed them with a good rose food something
Actually, somebody is saying roses. What rose food would you recommend to put on carpet roses? Same, the ghoulings. Yeah. The, 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 all the rose foods are much of a muchness, but the, I, I do find the ghoulings ones, tomato food, ghoulings, rose food, they just, they, they're, they're a higher concentration and I'm the kind of fellow, I'm a lazy gardener. <laughs> um, if I'm going to do it, I want to know that I'm giving it the best one. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm going to go to the time of doing it, you know. OK, go back to the lawns for a second because Pat has a similar problem in heavily infested with moss and thatch except in Pat's garden, it's a very small lawn. So wondering, would you go the scarifying route like you recommended for the large lawn or would you would lawn gold just do the same thing? I suppose the correct advice, Trish, is to, is to scarify it, yes. Scarify it first and then apply the lawn gold. But if if you think it doesn't warrant the effort or, or the work, if it really is a small patch. Now, if it's that small, you can just go out there with a rake and do, and scarify it. And you, you know, you'll end up thinking it's bigger than, than it is quick enough because it's a thankless job. But you could just put on the lawn gold on its own now. It will certainly have an effect on the moss. You will certainly see it and it will feed the grass. Uh, but depending on how heavy the infestation is, it, it, it may not. it may not totally get rid of it, you know. Okay, here's a lovely question in from Helen on behalf of her dad. Uh, My dad has two cherry trees in the lawn. They grew up lovely and tall. We waited patiently for fruit. Uh, A few little red berries came after tons of flowers every year. My dad throws his eyes to heaven and threatens to uproot them every single autumn without fail. Uh, Then they are now 10 years old. They were given as a birthday present with visions of tons of cherry pies for summer. We've never had one cherry pie yet. What's the problem, Mrs. Ellen? Yeah, well, they're one of my favourite fruits. Probably is my favourite fruit, actually, cherry. So if you do get the cherry pie in the next year or two, don't don't forget me. <laughs> but uh, um, cherries, the way they describe it, it sounds like they're growing in the open ground. Cherries really need to be grown against the wall. Now, it doesn't have to be a south-facing wall, which a lot of fruit trees would. Uh, cherries will do even on a north-facing wall, but they do need the shelter of a wall. Um and I suppose ideally if they could be trained along the wall too, <clears throat> uh, they also will benefit from, at this time of the year, or maybe over the next month or two, a good feeding with sulphate of potash. So what the potash will do, it will promote flower production and then the, the onset of fruit. So obviously without flowers you're not going to have the fruit. So a good, sulfate of, uh, a good application of sulphate of potash over the next month, six weeks. Um, the, the, the main reason they like to be near a wall, number one is the walls will trap the heat, but number two, it's sheltered. And just remember, we've spoken about the little bumblebees quite a lot on the programme, and, uh, and thankfully they're getting a lot of media coverage now. But just remember how our fruit and how our food is, is produced. It's the bees fly into the flower. They're flying in to get the nectar to feed on. Um, when they're in there, they're getting, they're getting pollen all over their, their legs and their wings and their body. They fly into the next flower to get more nectar, and they're passing through the pollen. So they're pollinating the plants for us, and that's what... what leads to the onset of fruit and the and the, the cherries. If it's too windy, number one, we know the bees are the bee numbers are down, but number two, if it's too windy, the bees can't really do their job. So if the if those cherries are in the middle of an open garden or an open field, it's too windy for them. If they're near a sheltered wall, it's when you stop and think about it it makes it makes complete sense. So when they're near a sheltered wall, the bees can do their job far more easily. So I would say maybe, and I know they're in there 10 years and they're not going to want to do this because there is a risk moving anything that age, um, but maybe lift them and move them towards the wall. Okay, Mary in Skibbereen. Any way to get the mark off the wall following ivy that grew but was pulled off the wall? You know, the mark that's left behind. Uh, I, 
I, I know a lot about gardening and I'm at it a long time, but I have no magic wand, I'm afraid, on that one. Uh, ivy and, and Virginia creepers and these, which stick to the wall, they, they're what's called self-clinging climbers. They, they send out these little sucker pads, uh, as we all know, and they stick to the wall that way and climb up. And the, the reason I'm kind of giggling at that question is because I have faced this problem several times in the past. And even with a paint scraper, like nature, with these sucker pads, produces any a glue better than anything that's unreal there it's unreal get it yeah. all. I have no no simple yeah. answer yeah. if I'm anyone afraid. has ever come up with a solution to it let us know we'd love let to share it hi Peter and Patricia I know it says on the package and it's probably time but is it still a bit too cold to throw a few seeds in a seed tray in a glass house can I wait another week until the thermos goes up a bit it depends what you're sowing it's as simple as that so for for many of your your summer flowering annuals, uh, no, absolutely, it's it's, it's perfect. You, you're in perfect time to do that. For a lot of the fruit crops, uh, your lettuces, even carrots, things like that, you're okay. We're into March. You're you're fine to be to be sowing them indoors now. But yes, it probably is too early then for things like your tomatoes, chilies, cucumbers, any of the more tender ones. I would wait a bit. But for for a huge variety of plants, you you could start them off by seed now indoors and without evading the question but we could spend your whole program talking about it such a wide-ranging area but so without evading it uh it will tell you on the back of the seed packet when is the right time to do it um it, it you could always or most of those seed packets are are catering for the english market and we do tend to be that bit warmer here so you, you could err on the side if they're saying you could start it in in early march you know that you could start it in mid-february in this part of the world oh, okay all right. Pat has a suggestion, says, Hi, Peter. Perhaps those people with the big boring lawns might consider a wild flower earlier for the bees, etc. It'll be less moss. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. it's, it's the right thing to do. And uh, and as you know, I often, when people uh, when people ask, how do we get rid of daisies and dandelions, I, I often Grow to love answer, them. Grow to love them. Absolutely. Yeah. Again. But, but I, jokes aside, he's quite right. And with people with larger lawns, even if they don't want to leave the entire lawn, please, if they could look at leaving patches of the lawn, to grow unkempt and even if they don't sow a wildflower seed just see what happens see what, what comes back what nature brings back uh, and yeah because because all of our species are as we know under threat at the moment which is a re- real pity I pruned my roses says another listener and the cuttings are shooting out can I set them again? She pruned the roses well, and the cuttings are shooting out I wonder does she yeah, I presume she means from the, the prunings that they, maybe there's some growth yeah yeah the, the answer I'd give is give it a go, absolutely. I, it's not, if you were asking me, could I take cuttings from roses now, I would say, no, it's, it's too early. But in this situation, you have taken the cuttings, if you You've like. You've nothing to, to lose. Pruning. You've nothing yeah, to lose. Into a bit of rooting powder, into a bit of compost, keep them indoors. I would still say, I'd be surprised if they did root, but give it a go, nothing lost. Uh, Anne wants to divide lilies and an iris is now the right time. I want lilies and iris. To divide uh, them. Sorry, I'm just, thinking out loud no you're okay still um, you are really because they probably haven't put much growth up over the ground the lilies I suppose the reason I'm hesitating is lily is a term that covers a multitude if it's actually the lilium the, the summer flowering lily which is a bulb then yeah you're absolutely fine prize the bulbs apart plant them out now that'll be no problem at all uh, some iris you see some iris like what we call the Dutch iris are in flower at the moment so you wouldn't be dividing them but then you're later, like your Siberian iris, your bearded iris, things like that. And any perennial, which is just about to break the soil surface at the moment, you could be dividing them right now, absolutely. 
Um, Mary in Rathgormack has a red hot poker plant. It's in a pot. Can I transfer it into the ground now? Yes. Uh, it's something going from a pot into the ground. No problem at all. Absolutely. Can I prune, says Joan, an outdoor fuchsia? It's gone too woody. Yes, you can. You can prune it back very, very hard. Fuchsia is a very... Uh, forgiving, you could, you can, you know, to use the technical term once more, you could hack them back, so you can cut them within a, a foot of their life and they'll, they'll go again. Okay, so you're looking forward to the weekend. To, will that? Will you be? You, you're down as doing a gardening cl- clinic. Yes, I'm giving gardening demonstrations in City Hall for the as part of the Fifty Plus Expo, which is a great expo. In fairness, I've been involved in them for several years now doing the clinic, and so I'll be in City Hall on Saturday and Sunday. I'll be giving a kind of gardening demonstration on both days, and obviously, if anybody has any questions. Uh, or if anybody wants to talk to me about their own garden, I'll be on hand as well. I'm not sure what times I'll be there on Saturday and Sunday, but I, I know the 50 Plus Expo website, I'm sure the times will be up. And, and, the, also and the event is free, let's remind everybody Sorry. that. Yeah, yeah, the event is free and it's, it is a great event in fairness. Um, another thing that I could mention very briefly, Trish, yeah. is we, I am also working with Trafalgar Tours, I know it's a long way off now, but it's in September, uh, and this is where my job gets very tough. I have to go to the Loire Valley in France and look at gardens and go wine tasting and all this. Um, and it's, it's, I'm going with Trafalgar Tours, and I think it's a four or five night package in the Loire Valley in France, um, <laughs> looking at the gardens of the Chateau. So if anybody wants God, to God, that's me, very tough, isn't it? Trafalgar Tours, it is a tough job. To, <laughs> you know, um, okay, so Trafalgar Tours, if people want to join you. I don't know how many seats they have and if, okay. if you don't find it online because I should have be more prepared I should have the, the address with me and the phone number but contact me on Facebook or email and, uh, and I'll get the link to you. Okay. Have a good weekend at the at the 50 Plus Expo and we'll talk to you next Wednesday. Cheers, thanks for that and thanks for joining us. That is uh, Peter Dowdle and uh, thank you to everybody who's sending in coins and stamps. Get as much detail into us as you can and we'll be running with that when Mike Kelly the expert joins us uh, tomorrow. Uh, that's where I leave you for today though. Thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we'll talk to you tomorrow at 10. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.